We are here, ladies and gentlemen. Brad, what's going on, man? We made it. We finally did. Uh, the movie that seems like it was never going to actually release has finally released. After going through finally. five different script rights, like three different directors, <laughs> we finally have a Batman man, I movie. Didn't, I didn't know it was that many. Oh, yeah. This one went through a lot. After uh, Ben Affleck originally wrote mm-hmm. it and was going to direct, uh, this this movie went through hell, <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Anthony. My name is Brad. Yeah, that guy, he's um, he's Brad. Uh, so, look, if you're new here and you don't know how this goes, uh, spoilers abound. You know, we, we, we took the safe route for Sundance because those movies hadn't come out yet. We were being respectful. But uh, this is Batman. Uh, spoilers abound. That's the way it goes here. If you need to see it first and then come back and watch and listen to this, do so. But uh, we're going to go in here. Yes. Today, today we got Batman Begins uh, from 2005 versus 2022's The Batman. And, um, you know, usually we don't do this, man. But let's, uh, let's go ahead and hit him with a little bit of the chronological view. Yeah. You know what? I think that works for this one because without Batman Begins the Batman would have never occurred. Oh, absolutely. So Everything we got to go chronological on this one. I like to say DC films are pre-Nolan and post-Nolan. Yeah, that, that, that's a way of, yeah, well, that's specifically accurate. Batman. Yeah, yeah. Specifically Batman. Batman is pre-Nolan and then there's post-Nolan. But, uh, all right, man, I'll let you, uh, take the reins or you want to take the reins on the Batman. Uh, I will take the reins on Batman Begins. Okay. So Batman Begins was the first in the trilogy from director uh, Christopher... Well, this entire like Batman thing was basically started by Christopher Nolan of giving us like a darker, more gritty Batman movie that right. basically every Batman has taken since, uh, including the Ben Affleck version, a lot of the animated ones, mm-hmm. and even uh, this latest one. But it was directed by Christopher Nolan, uh, starring Christian Bale as uh, Bruce Wayne Batman, uh, we get to see him kind of getting his start as he's trained with the League of Assassins, but it's not called the League of Assassins in this one. It, what was the name? The League of, of Shadows. Wasn't the League it? of Shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, here's the thing about this movie. I like that. Um, you know, usually with the Batman films, you always get a glimpse of you know when um his parents get shot down. You know, the motif of the pearls that Martha had on her neck and all that. But I like that this film, even though that shows that, I like how we get a glimpse of how Bruce Wayne became Batman. Yes. Of how there was the young, you had the young, innocent Bruce Wayne uh, before his parents got killed. Then after the parents got killed, you got you had the young adult, um, I want to say college-bound, disillusioned Bruce Wayne that was just like, life doesn't mean anything. All that matters to me is getting revenge against the man that took my parents away. Then... After that, you got the Bruce Wayne that's just lost and just finds himself somewhere over in um where was he? He was just kind of in like an Asian country. Um Yeah, I don't want to say the wrong country or the wrong place. But anyway, he finds himself um 
somewhere overseas, ends up in a, a Bhutan prison. And that's when he comes across Liam Neeson, uh, who invites him to the League of Shadows. Yeah. So I like that this film showed Bruce Wayne's training. I don't know how he was able to fight in that prison before he even joined the Shadows. Like, I guess this is me asking a comic book question. Did Alfred teach Bruce how to fight? Um, like just a little bit some iterations of batman uh he is kind of taught a little bit on combat because alfred fought in wars and everything so alfred teaches him a little bit combat but most of his training comes from you know some other group outside of just alfred yeah so um okay dude one of the things i like about this film is that it gets better as it goes on some of it is a little dated like some of the emotional scenes are a little like, I want to say generic. I don't think Katie Holmes is bad in this, but some of the lines Katie Holmes gives is like, okay, this is much exposition. And they're basically yeah. spelling the theme out of like corruption in Gotham. So right. This was before this. Uh, subtlety when it came to like comic book movies, right. they couldn't have subtlety when this came out. Uh, right. They had to explain everything that was going on. And they had to explain it in the most, like, I guess, as in-depth as possible for people to understand what's going on. Like, you couldn't have the moment where uh, Liam Neeson comes back and he's like, oh, so you were Ra's al Ghul all along. It wasn't actually that, you know, they couldn't have that moment where it it just kind of, you realize, oh, yeah, he was actually Ra's al Ghul. It, it has to be spelled out for you. Let me, let me break it down in the simplest way I can. Before this, the last live action film was Batman and Robin. Yeah. Period. It, it's uh, so this is a huge step Batman. up. <laughs> right. This is a huge step up. So yes. for what this film is and the time it was released, I like that as the film goes on, it becomes a stronger and stronger Batman film. Like when we when we first see Bruce Wayne start to, um you know, slowly you know, um, sit into his Batman role. You know, he gets to know Lucius Fox, who works in the basement, uh, played by Morgan Freeman. He gets to learn all the gadgets that uh, Wayne Enterprises has patents on that never came to fruition because either the military didn't want to uh, provide funding for it or they, or anything of the sort. And he takes all these gadgets and uses them to become Batman. You know, because the running joke is, you know, Batman doesn't have any powers. He's just rich. That's true, but he also has a company that, and I like, this is inventive the way uh, Chris Nolan and David S. Goyer put this together. He uses gadgets that were long thrown away in the basement in order to become who he is today. Yeah, I will say that uh, prior to this movie, uh, this isn't really how Batman was in the comics. He has been adapted more to this, but Mm -hmm. Batman originally was more of like a detective. He... He was somebody that was mastering a bunch of martial arts. He was very smart. He was able to put pieces and clues together very quickly. He was able to decipher situations. And Mm -hmm. that was Batman's superpower was he was incredibly quick-witted. He was incredibly smart. And he was incredibly knowledgeable when it came to basically everything. Uh, When you hear the joke, you know, Batman can take down any person in the entire DC universe, uh, it's accurate because he has a contingency plan for every single person, you know? Yeah. 
he's the best superhero that's not a superhero right. in my eyes. You know, like he doesn't have laser beam eyes, he doesn't have super strength or anything like that. Right. But he basically is smart enough to be able to outwit anybody with a superpower and be able to take them down. You know what I love about this film is the special effects become stronger as it goes on. Like I love how when Scarecrow is introduced, well, when we learn that Killian Murphy's character is Scarecrow, I love the effects it shows when he um when he poisons somebody with the gas and you see him put on his oh, mask. And we have like the nightmare kind of vision. Dude, I loved it when it was reversed and it was it was put on him and he's looking at Batman and Batman looks like this little like like golem figure trying to question him like yeah like, it has like the this? blood running down you know his mouth ma- oh it's so i thought good. that was so cool man for even, a movie in 2005 that was cool oh yeah even with the slight dated like cg and everything like that those effects still hold up because it's not meant to re- look realistic it's supposed to be like you're looking at this as if you're having a nightmare right. so it, it works in that way and I think Scarecrow is a great villain in this because let's let's go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bruce Wayne kind of trains with the uh, League of what is it? League of Shadows? League um, of Shadows. Because in the comics and everything, everything else, it's called the League of uh, Assassins. So this is the only place where it's called <laughs> League of Shadows. So that's throwing me off. It even threw me off when I was rewatching, going, "That's not what it's called. Why'd you change it?" Hollywood man you know what it is right but uh, so he trains with the League of Shadows uh, meets Ra's al Ghul uh, eventually gets the ability to join them and became one of their like leaders but instead turns on them because he finds out that they're going to attack Gotham so mm-hmm. after this he basically destroys their like home base and everything like that kills who he thinks is Ra's al Ghul and mm-hmm. then saves his trainer, uh, Liam Neeson, in order to kind of go back to Gotham and start protecting the city like he should. And that's where he starts, you know, going back. Everybody thought that he's been dead for the last, like, seven years because he's just kind of up and vanished. And so now he's back. He's going through. They can't. He's no longer the CEO of Wayne Corp. So mm-hmm. basically he goes in and goes, well, you know, my family created this company. I'm just here for a job. You know, I was thinking something right, like right. the uh, tech department or something like that. And that's where he actually meets uh, Morgan Freeman's character. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 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 I love how, especially when we get towards the end, I love how much of the underworld of Gotham looks like an actual slum. Like when they're on the train and Batman's trying to stop Ra's al Ghul from um, letting the uh, the big machine he had uh, from blowing Gotham to bits. I like how when the train is going down, you just you see you see this awesome shot of underworld Gotham and it just looks like it's like it's just like a, it looks like hell, to be honest. Oh, yeah. You know, with with the orange tinted sky and, the um, you know, the ghetto apartments and all that. I just love how that was just put together. I especially love how they use the train to show like how things have just gone to absolute shit in Gotham. Like after uh, his father died. So his father like created this entire train. We see it at the beginning of the movie and it's clean. It's very nice looking. You know, it's got Mm -hmm. this nice finish on it. By the time we get to the end of the movie, uh, we get to see the train a couple more times and everything. And we can see that it's just 
decrepit now. It's like, falling apart in some places. The rail system has some entire sections replaced, and it just doesn't look right. So it, you can tell that Thomas Wayne it was uh, Bruce Wayne's father, had like a great vision, but after his death, it, it all just plummeted as the company went into new hands, and they worked more toward profits than fixing Gotham. Sure, for sure. Um, this is one I wanted to ask you. So looking at all of that, um, I gotta say, I when not even ask you, just give my take. I love uh Chris um Christian Bale's uh Batman voice way better in this one than I and listen, listen to me. I love this movie, I love the Dark Knight, mm. but the whole this is my city. I throat cancer Batman. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know how it went from this to that. Like I the only the there only really way wasn't can... much change in his voice with this one. No, I mean, but I thought that was cool, though. Like, the only way I can reason it in my head is that because um, homegirl Rachel, uh, he says something to her as Batman. She goes, Bruce, that's when that made me go in my mind. Okay, is that why he had he had like the throat cancer voice in Dark Knight onward because he didn't want to run into someone else that would recognize him like Rachel? Like, is that the reason why? I I know that. Christopher Nolan mentioned why they went with it because there was a lot of backlash when the first trailer for the dark Knight came out mm-hmm. for it. And I remember he explained why, but I can't remember why he decided to go with, uh, doing that kind of voice for like his hidden voice. Cause yeah, it, I, I liked it in this movie. It was fine. It was very fine. It was, it was, it was normal. Right, it was yeah. normal. Yeah, you know, it, it was his normal voice, but just kind of toned down a little bit and slower. Yeah, you know? I, I low, I low key have a theory that that's why the Dark Knight Rises is so panned, not just because of the plot, but because you got two people who are great actors who are indecipherable. You got Christian Bale, you got Tom Hardy. Oh yeah, and they're both arguing. He was like, "What? What are they saying?" <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know something epic is happening, but what are these men saying? You know what I mean? Right. Well, I think The Dark Knight Rises was kind of up against, you know, a, a bad kind of track already because there was no way they could have topped The Dark Knight. You, you, yeah, you, you had a hard act to follow. That's a great problem, though. That's a right. great problem to have. Uh, I was still off The Dark Knight High that when Dark Knight Rises ended, I felt like people who went to go see Phantom Menace, like, um, I, I don't know if what I saw was good, but I'm, I'm going to see it again just to make sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Dark Knight Rises is horrible. I just don't think it's the best Batman movie. Right. But uh, out of the trilogy, it's I I personally for the trilogy of like the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, I would put Dark Knight first, Batman Begins second, and then Rises as third. This is why we are friends. Yeah, It it just makes sense. This is how it's supposed to be. Because I've argued with people and everyone is entitled to their opinion. But I've argued with people that said, I kind of like Batman Begins more than Dark Knight. And, you know, they give the reason of, well, you know, Dark Knight was kind of Heath Ledger's movie. I'm like, Heath Ledger was great in it, but come on now. That ain't a good enough reason to say, eh, I like Begins better I, it, to, in my mind. Right. And I know this is going off of Batman Begins, but I do want to say I it, when it people connects. go, oh, man, with Joker, you know, he was the primary villain and everything's great about him and everything. You don't get too many people mentioning uh harvey dent 
with his uh, face off was great. Yeah, I love amazing Two Face for it, it was so good. I thought he was a great person for Two Face, but you don't see people talk about it because everybody always talks about Heath Ledger's Joker, which yes is great. Listen, it, 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 it's this simple. Okay, it's this simple. Jodie Foster was in Science of the Lambs too. Jodie Foster was great too, mm-hmm. but Anthony Hopkins just left an impression on you. Right. Heath Ledger left an impression on you. You know what I mean? That's just, it's not saying Heath Ledger was better than Aaron Eckhart or Anthony Hopkins better than Jodie Foster. It's just their characters left an impression on you. Oh yeah. It's just kind of one of those sad things. Like, you know that he was giving it his all and you know, everybody oh, yeah. keeps mentioning Everyone Heath did. Ledger. And it's like, oh man, that was a, that's probably the two face that I'll think of when it comes to live action. I think that's going to be a hard one to beat when they finally decide to bring him back into another live action movie. Right. Um, well, I'd say with this one, man, I give it a, you know, it's not perfect, but as the film goes on, it becomes very, very strong in the second half. I say, looking back on it, man, this is a light 4.5 for me out of five. Uh, th- this one's a four out of five to me. I, I really okay. liked it. There's, a lot of great Batman in it. Uh, some of the fight scenes are actually still very good. Uh, I really enjoyed them. Scarecrow, I still think, is a great villain. I think they used him very well for him being like a secondary villain in this movie. Uh, Ra's al mm-hmm. Ghul comes off as menacing. Uh, Liam Neeson's as a villain. He was I, great. I already love that. Everything about yeah. that is great. So it yeah, it's a four out of five to me. This this movie is definitely one of the better Batman movies. This proves to me that we always see Liam Neeson in his second career as the um as as the leading good guy in action films. This movie proved to me that I'd like to see Liam in more villain roles. Oh yeah. He he definitely knocked this one out of the park as the villain. And even yeah. though this movie probably in terms of villain has like the lesser known ones, it, I think they both pulled it off fantastically because prior to this movie, not many people would have known like in the standard movie going, when you think of like Batman's villains, you think of Joker, you think of Bane, you think of the Riddler, you know, you think of Mr. Freeze, Penguin, uh, Penguin, you know, you, you really don't think of Scarecrow. You, you don't think of Ra's al Ghul. Um, yeah. You know, so it, this one was really going up against that, those villains that nobody knew. And I think they knocked them both out of the park. Fantastically. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right, folks. On to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. Time to move on, man. You ready? I am ready. All right, man. We got Matt Reeves, 2022, The Batman. Dude, first off, I want to say, I like how this film just, I like how it just, it just jumps right into it, man. Because, you know, with certain DC films, you're waiting for like an opening title sequence. All right, we're going to see Wayne's parents get killed. It says, no, 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 no. Warner Media. DC Films, The Batman. And it just goes right into the Riddler listening to Ava Maria and through his like um, goggles view of the person he's about to kill. Mm-hmm. I think he was the mayor, right? Someone that was running for mayor again. He, he was running for election. Yeah, but I just love how it was like uh, it was like a, it was like a famous comedian. Like, all right, everyone sit down. No opening act. Let's just let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a three hour movie, man. We, we ain't got time to lollygag. Right. And yeah, with this being 
let, let's get this out of the way right now. Um, this is a three-hour movie. Did it, it feel felt, like a three-hour movie to you? Hell no. Really? It felt like it felt like two hours to me. Like I got the same thing from this that I get from um, you know, an end game or any good Avengers film or Spider-Man. It was a long movie that did not feel long. It felt long to you? It did. There were a couple parts that kind of dragged to me that it had me going, okay, we, we've got to be like halfway through this movie now, right? Oh, wow. So I didn't, I didn't get that. Okay. It, it like, was very few, but there were times where I was like, yeah, this is a three-hour movie. This this is a long <laughs> movie. And like even after the movie ended, like getting up, and I was just like, okay, yeah, yeah, that was definitely a three-hour movie. <laughs> so let me break down the quick synopsis and let's just let's just tear this thing apart the way we do it here at uh, uh DFW Double Feature Versus. So basically, what we have here is um Batman in year two of his career. You know, with Batman Begins, we were covering year one cut to now with this reboot this is year two of um bruce wayne as the batman so we have the riddler played by paul dano um he is a serial killer that is uh targeting the elite figures the elite corrupt figures of uh, gotham city um every murder he leaves behind he leaves a riddle to be solved and uh we have this uh paired with um batman trying to figure out who the riddler is and uh, he comes across uh, the Penguin. He comes across Colin Farrell's The Penguin, who runs a nightclub. And uh, this is where he crosses paths with Selena Kyle, played by Zoe Kravitz, a.k.a. Catwoman. And uh, the way her, the way him and Catwoman uh, end up working together is that uh, Catwoman has a, um, a girlfriend that ends up missing. And uh, she's trying to find her girlfriend. Well, no, and she doesn't go missing. Uh Bruce is trying to figure out who she is because she appears in photos with the elected to be mayor who was just murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's trying to figure out who this girl is that's in these photos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's that, and um, you got that compared with uh, John Tutoro's Carmine Falcone, who Tom Wilkerson played at Batman Begins. And... um, you know, she she's she's close with him and uh, her her girlfriend ends up missing after Batman tries looking for her. So she's looking for her girlfriend. And now Batman is trying to figure out who is the Riddler. Why is he killing all these people and what's going on? While also while also trying to find out what happened to, you know, Selena Kyle's girlfriend. Where, where Where is she? Is she dead? What's going on? So those are the two. Com- two congruent plot lines going on all while Batman is working with um, commissioner Gordon, who um, he doesn't start out as a commissioner in this. I think he's like a Lieutenant in the movie. Yeah. He's a, yeah. Police Lieutenant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's not commissioner yet. Um, Dude. I think this movie right off the top, it's hard to beat the dark Knight to me. I really have to have a long conversation with myself to say, what's better but uh this is in the top three of best batman films mm-hmm. of all time dude i really feel like this had no frills let's start off with robert patterson man great batman voices on point postures on point menacing look is on point the fight scenes the fight scenes were just beautiful 
Dude, Matt Reeves did his thing, man. And I knew he was the best guy to direct this because we've seen what he's what he's done with Cloverfield all the way to the Planet of the Apes films. Like he just he he killed it. Uh, he killed it in the fight scenes. It doesn't look like Batman is like so still mm-hmm. and like, you know, so stiff. It looks like Batman can really move. You know what I mean? Right. Um, now, as Bruce Wayne, I thought he was a nice goth Bruce Wayne. See, this is a Bruce Wayne that has completely secluded himself. This isn't like the playboy Bruce Wayne that everybody's right. used to. Right. So I, I think he played what they were going for with this Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne a little bit better. Because yeah. it's hard to judge him based off of, you know, the Bruce Wayne that we know from previous, you know, movies and everything. Because that was always like the party boy Bruce Wayne. You know, he was always hidden away during the night and everything. And, you know, you didn't see him during the day much because, you know, everybody was like, oh, he was out partying all night and everything like that. Right, and people right. never knew where he was during the night because he would just randomly appear places to party. You know, he never said where he was going. So... Him being completely absent made sense in that context. And here we have one that's just completely gone. You know, nobody sees him. They know he exists, but he's just completely faded away from the public perception. It speaks more to what they, like you said, what they were going for. And I also like how it gives him a time to reflect on his legacy. Like, you know, you as the film goes on, he learns some secrets about his his parents. Like he learns that his mom was, you know, kind of committed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And his dad tried to keep that from him and like tried to pay people off to keep that secret uh, from people. And then he learns that his father was uh, maybe even more corrupt than he thought. Uh, I like how this is Bruce Wayne coming to terms with his legacy and coming to terms with who he is and who he wants to be. Right. Like he knows what the Wayne stand for and he knows that they have a CD past at this point. Yeah. So it's his job to now kind of decide if he's going to turn that around and how he's going to turn that around. Right. So let me ask you this, man. Um, being that we've had Michelle Pfeiffer and Hathaway in the past for like Catwoman, what'd you feel about Zoe? I, I thought Zoe did a good job as Catwoman. Um, yeah, me too. I thought she was cool. I, I wish she had more action scenes. Oh, I, I straight up disrespect to her. Halle Berry too, but that don't that don't count. That oh, movie yeah. was, that don't that don't count. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, we don't we, we don't talk about that one. Um right, right. but yeah, I just I kinda wish that she had more action scenes within the movie because she did have some good like emotional scenes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh she had like a couple fight scenes, but Overall, she didn't really have too much, and I kind of wanted to see more of a fight scene. Like, I would have liked to see a fight scene between her and uh, Batman, kind of going toe to toe a little bit to show, you know, where she is and where he is and everything like that. Uh, we didn't really get that, and it she was a good part of the movie, but mm-hmm. her, her part seemed to be there for plot convenience more than she was needed. I like the chemistry between her and Patterson. I feel like they had strong chemistry. Right. She had some good emotional scenes, but that's that that was about it. From if the chem I, I would I, I didn't mean to cut you off. If the chemistry didn't work, then the role wouldn't work. And right. I feel like she 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 did very well. Yeah. Um, for that, she did well. Um I kind of wanted a little bit more from when they announced that we were gonna have Catwoman in this movie. I was like, okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna get a Catwoman in this movie. And 
we didn't quite get that. I'm hoping that means that she's going to come back for one of the sequels eventually or get her own like spin-off movie and we'll get to actually see her more as Catwoman. But I got you. We'll um, see. You know who really blew me away, man? Uh Colin Farrell as the penguin. Yes. Like, so I didn't expect him to be in this movie that much. Mm-hmm. But he actually took like a good portion of the screen time in this movie and he knocked it out. Uh, he definitely came off as like that menacing kind of just wealthy guy that every like the mob boss. I love that. I love that they made the penguin a mobster, because when you look at, you know, you look at Danny DeVito's uh, penguin in uh, Batman Returns, you know, yeah, he's kind of creepy. That wasn't you know? the penguin from the comics at all. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. And then you look at the penguin from the um the uh the nineties cartoon. You know, he kind of has like a British accent and he's he's a little mobstery, but you know, it's it, it's it's not really something to be taken seriously. Colin Farrell's penguin was amazing, dude. Yes. Like I like that they he's basically a mob boss with the um, you know, a, a scarred face that kind of like kind of like is shaped like a penguin but he doesn't have like the claws and all that weird stuff and the umbrella you know he he's 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 um he's a gangster yeah he he's a mob boss that basically manages a club and everything like he's exactly what the penguin should have been in previous iterations uh he knocks mm-hmm. it out of the park they do very well with his character making him come off as menacing and everything like that, but not threatening, but menacing. Right. Because you know what he's capable of doing with his, you know, given his influence, but it's not so much he's a threat if you get him in a room one-on-one. Right, like, you know who I am? Yeah. Like, I love I love how when Batman's, like, whooping everybody's ass in the club, Penguin shows up out of nowhere, like, oh, 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 take it easy, sweetheart. I'm who you're looking for. Yeah, like, I'm right I just- here. <laughs> Right, I'm right here. I love like his charismatic personality the minute he hits the screen. And uh you don't even know it's Colin Farrell. I mean, you know, but right. there's no Colin Farrell. He sinks into the character. He sinks in very well. Um before we get to the action scenes, what you feel about Riddler, man? I so I'm mixed on this one. Cause Same. in one part, I love how this is a smart Riddler. I love how they like had him doing these little stunts, leaving clues, actually putting puzzles together for Batman to solve and everything. Uh, I, I love that. I, I don't like the whole like gimp suit kind of, you know, it, motif that he had going on. I didn't mind the suit. What I... There's nothing really wrong with him, but if there was something I could change, it felt a little it felt a little too rehashy of the Joker, like a more serious version of the Joker. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like Riddler is supposed to be very cunning and, you know, smart and, you know, always seems like he's two steps ahead of Batman. Uh right. this Which one felt was. more whiny. You know. And we don't really, you know, like when Riddler loses, he's excited because it means that, you know, he did everything right. You know, he he left the right clues that Batman could solve his puzzle. And that's why he's excited, because he got to play a game Uh, with this one. It was more like that teenager that was whiny that he didn't get his way. 
I would argue, I would challenge you in this. He was excited because like one of the best scenes from this movie is the interrogation sequence between him and Batman, where um, he was legit excited. He's like, man, you helped me uh, uh, kill all these guys. You brought homeboy. Uh, I think it was Falcone. Yeah. Oh, John yeah, Turturro's character. You brought him into the light for me to shoot him. And Batman's like, dude, you're, you're insane. I didn't help you. I was trying to stop you. Um, and I love how, because this is where I feel like the Riddler is strong. I loved Paul Dano when the mat when the mask was off and it was just him talking in the interrogation room. I was mm-hmm. like, that's the that's the Riddler I like. See, Which, that was um, good. That was very good. And I love how I love the pump fake the movie does because we we know no one's gonna find out Batman is Bruce Wayne. No one's gonna find that out. That's just like the unspoken rule of of that universe. But I like how he's on he's on camera. He's saying. Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. And we're like, holy shit, is he about to say it? Like, he's actually about to say it. He says, I almost killed him, but we couldn't get him, could we? He's the only one that got away. We almost got him, though. I love that fake out, man. I was it was a good theater. fake out. It was, because I was about to be like, okay, if he says it, then, you know, Commissioner Gordon is going to be the only one in the room watching, and he's going to erase the tape, and he'll it don't, it'll just be between them, because I know he ain't going to. He's not going to expose his identity like that. Right. I thought that was a nice fake out. But I would I would I would argue that he was excited that Batman followed all the clues and um, because he thought he was helping him. Yeah. Well, that part, I will say, felt like it was more like his tantrum at the very end, like when everything stopped going his way, where it was like, that Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like the Riddler anymore. That doesn't feel like the same person. I would argue it does, though, because I would feel like the Riddler. um, Listen, I feel like one of the many rules of like filmmaking is that when your villain who is so cunning and charismatic gets beaten and like, you know, um, withered down to nothing like they are, they throw tantrums in their own way. You know, the penguin, like you said, when he was alone with Commissioner Gordon Batman and they straight up left him and he's like he has the thing around his ankles like a penguin, like. Hey, what about me? What about me? You know, he's he's nothing at that point. He's just like he's a, he's a fake wannabe top dog. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's like the unspoken rule to have your villains like break down like that. Yeah, but Riddler's one of the ones that you don't expect to see that happen to. You know, it's mm-hmm. he gets more excited because now he gets supposed a bigger challenge next time. You know, it wasn't that he lost this time. It He won ultimately because he got exactly what he wanted. Next time he gets to pose an even bigger, you know, challenge to Batman. Because mm-hmm. the, the Riddler has that same kind of relationship with Batman the Joker has where it's like he sees this as all a game. I will say, man, I want to speak to something you said earlier. I love how this film takes old Brucey boy back to his roots. Like, like mm-hmm. it takes... Batman to his roots as a detective. Yes. Because if you take away the superhero part, this is really just a dark detective uh, thriller. Yeah. So I, I do absolutely love that. They made this a smart Batman. They made him the detective Batman. And mm-hmm. we really haven't gotten that before. We got that a little bit with uh, Ben Affleck's Batman in yeah. Batman versus Superman. But it, it was still more of a tech Batman than it was a detective Batman. Like we see him like strategizing the fight and stuff like that and being smart, but we don't really see him being a detective. We don't see him like figuring stuff out. 
we just kind of see him prepping for a battle and, you know, using his brains and his wit for that. Here we actually get to see Detective Batman, which is a major part of Batman's character. And they kind of went with some tech route with it, but they didn't Mm -hmm. go as heavily into it as they did with uh, Christian Bale's Batman or the the Nolan Batman. So I really like that because we actually get to see what Batman's capable of. And I'm hoping that they continue playing with that route because I know that there was some interview and I can't remember if it was with uh, Reeves or Patterson mentioning that there was a little bit of fear when they were going into this one on how the public would react to this being not, you know, Christian Bale's Batman. Yeah. I I love that they took a risk and as a high reward for it. Yes. And you I don't even think you have to be a comic book fan to appreciate that. Oh, they're turning this into a noir type of thing. I think Mm. you can appreciate that, even if you never watched the original uh, 90s cartoon or even read a Batman comic from way back in the day. But, dude, I want to say the whole Batmobile sequence, probably one of the best action sequences in the history of Batman films, dude. Like. I definitely liked it, but I got to say that there was one fight sequence that I liked more and mostly because it was a style choice with it was. Okay. Wait, bef- okay before we get to that, you okay. let, let's talk about the Batmobile. I love how they, um, I love how they tease us. Like, you know, Payne was waiting in the rain with his, like, you know, his cronies or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you just hear the Batmobile kind of start up. Oh yeah. You hear then- the engine and you kind of see a little bit of the lights. Right. And then it just shuts right off real quick. And then, you know, they, they start running and then it starts off for real. It starts going like I love how they tease us because, you know, we, we're waiting for this. We, we, we've seen everything else. We've seen Batman in action fighting. And now we see the car. Man, that freeway chase sequence is dude. That was probably one of the best sequences in the history of Batman films to me. Yeah, that like, I got to say that at the very least was one of the best car chase scenes for a Batman. Like we have some great ones with the Dark Knight trilogy, but this one mm-hmm. tops those all easily. I say the one the only one in the Dark Knight trilogy that comes close to that is the famous sequence when he's following Joker and the, the, the train flips all the way over and then Batman goes up the wall, flips around and turns and goes and then put goes right back into position. You know what scene I'm talking right. about. Right. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That's the only scene that comes close, man. That freeway chase sequence was something else, dude. Like we we saw it in the trailer, but seeing it on film where, you know, penguins in the car like, uh, I got you. I got you. And you see the Batmobile go up that little like falling truck ramp and yeah, come I down. I really wish they didn't show that part in the, the trailer where he comes out of the flames because it that would have been it a, for me. Oh, see, for me, it was like, oh, I know he's coming. He's going to make it through. But I know that there would have been a moment prior to that if it wasn't in the trailer where I'd go, oh, so the penguin's going to get away. And then it would have hit that moment where he pops out. and It's like, oh, no, he's not. <laughs> Dude, I seeing that in the trailer didn't ruin it for me because it showed how it got to that point. Because mm-hmm. I was going to be like, oh, is it really just going to be a thing where he just goes through fire? It was like, no, he went through a whole Trump no, there was ramp. a whole chase. They went through right. oncoming traffic. There, there was that. That was great. I, I loved it. Okay, so what do you think? What's the scene you think that was better than that? So the scene 
I personally liked action scene in this movie was when he goes back to when who was it, it was uh Catwoman is there with Falcone and everything like that mm-hmm. and then Bruce Wayne comes cuts the power and everything you see him come out of the elevator and then all you see is the lights from like the guns flashing and everything like that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh that I think was my favorite action scene in this movie because stylistically, you have the moment where the elevator comes up, you know, doors open, and you're like, I know he's there. He, he's mm-hmm. at the roof, and, you know, you have that moment where they see him, and then everything goes to black, and then you just have the guns firing in these little, like, still moments of, like, Batman knocking them out, and I, I loved it. I'll say this, man. Um, for all you naysayers out there that was making Twilight jokes and all that, Y'all got to eat y'all shoes. I'm just glad that we finally saw Robert Pattinson in a good love story. (laughs) That's funny. Listen to me, man. Robert Pattinson killed this. Batman is legit a badass in this movie. Robert Pattinson's Batman. Like he, he legit is. And he doesn't take any, he doesn't take any crap from anybody. Like, um, you know, in the beginning you feel bad because some of the cops are like, this little freak, what's he doing? What is he doing at the crime scene? We're, we're at a point where he's in the interrogation room and he's really like, he's not fighting them, but he's really like mm-hmm. pushing these police officers off. Like, get off me. Like, you know, oh, I'm yeah. helping you. You know, he 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 really gets like gruff with them um, to the point where he's back at the crime scene and the cop that was dissing him in the beginning seems a little afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Like, like Batman is intimidating him when he shines the light on him trying to get answers out of him. Yeah, man, I I love this Batman, dude. Yeah, I think this was good. Um, I do want to make one comment on that one scene you just brought up, where he's like in that interrogation room with like surrounded by the cops. Uh, My brain, as soon as that scene happened, just went. So you're telling me that they picked Batman up from the scene? They just kind of threw him in a car, and then they drove him to you know the precinct and put him on the table, and then that's when somebody was like, "Hey, we should unmask this guy." No, I'm sure they tried it before, but I don't think he would let them do it. No, I mean, like, the entire time he was, like, passed out in, like, the cop car, nobody, like, went, hey, we should just unmask him now. You know, it, they waited until he was, like, on I the table and everybody was around, like, talking. Like, they called a group meeting of all the cops and they're like, hey, guys, so we got Batman in the, you know, coffee room right now. You guys want to come check it out? Oh, yeah, I'm down. You know, that that's when they're deciding... <laughs> I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But I can almost picture Commissioner Gordon doing some suspension of disbelief thing like I'll watch over him. You know, mm-hmm. I'll make sure he's fine and stop anyone from doing it. But I see what you're saying. Right. Oh, it's man. just you... like that, like movie thing. Like, I love how a lot of movies do this. And I always think it's hilarious when they like jump cut between scenes and you're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, this is like just two minutes after that previous scene, but it's like, what happened in the in-between moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is one of those times where it's like, hold on, why didn't any of this happen in the in-between moment? It's just happening now. It's kind of like when somebody's explaining a plot of something or like a plan and they get in the car and, you know, they get back to the actual place. And he's like, and this is where we're going to do a plan. Were they just sitting in the car, just silent the entire time, <laughs> you know, driving right. to the plate? You know, it's that kind of like mentality. Let me ask you something, man. Doing a uh, Tom Wilkinson's Falcone versus John Tutorial's Falcone. Um, both great actors. You know, mm-hmm. Tom Wilkinson is a great actor, but. 
I kind of like Turturro's Falcone more than uh, Wilkinson's. Really? Yeah, I kind of like this Falcone better. I feel like he's more of a slick gangster. Like Tom Wilkinson's Falcone was, it was great for what it was. And it, it was pretty good in Batman Begins. But I like that there was, there was more menacing. There was a more menacing feeling to John Turturro's Falcone. Okay. I, I think, I, I see what you're saying. I disagree, but I see what you're saying. Uh, Cause yeah, it, it, Totoro did great as Falcone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want to say that he was not a good Falcone at all, but it's the classic man. It's, (laughs) it's hard to uproot the classic. It's hard to uproot the classic. Absolutely. Uh, I'm just, I I, kind of like John Totoro's a little better uh jeffrey wright's gordon what'd you think um i was okay with it uh it didn't bother me at all like it i guess this isn't commissioner gordon yet so he Mm -hmm. didn't have that same kind of thing but he did still have like the i i'm here for the people i'm not here for the job title or the glory i'm here for the people like he had that down which i think is great yeah he was he's just a regular guy that likes to fight crime yeah you can't sell him you can't buy him He's for the people. Yeah. So in that regard, you know, I, I don't, I guess he wasn't a standout in this movie to me, uh, mm-hmm. which doesn't say much because there's so many standouts in this movie. It would be hard to, you know, be a part of it because between Pattinson, you know, and, you know, we have between Batman, Riddler and Catwoman alone for anybody to be like standing out in this movie is amazing. So it, it doesn't say much that he wasn't one of the standout roles to me. But I yeah. think he played Gordon exactly how he needed to. I think Andy Serkis as Alfred is pretty good, too. Um, I think he plays a pretty good Alfred. I think what he do you- does, but at the same time, just seeing Andy Serkis as Alfred is just still... It's, it's strange to me. Like It's, it's not the casting that I would have called. This is because you think he's younger than the others and Jeremy Irons and all of them? I think so, uh, because obviously Irons is the one that I think of whenever I think of Alfred. Like, there's... I can't even remember who played... uh, Or not... uh, Kane. Kane is who I think. think. Kane is who I think of, too. But I feel like for what he did, um, I didn't think he was a bad Alfred. I uh, I didn't think it was an awkward choice either. You know, he he has a bit of age range between him and Robert. You got to remember, this is a young Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense given the age range. See, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that I dislike it. It just feels off for some reason. I can't figure it out because I do like him as Alfred. I think he was great in this role and everything like that. But mm-hmm. it's... Andy Serkis as Alfred is like one of those castings that you hear and you just go, okay, that sounds interesting. And then you see it in person. You're like, okay, that was, that was something. Okay. I, I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, all right, man, I'm, I'm, I'm through with all my notes. You got any more notes on this? Uh, not really that I can think of. Uh, the fight, the fight scene in the nightclub right before Penguin shows up, like, "Hey, I'm right here." That was a great fight scene, man. That was. I do love how you know you have the moment of uh, Batman like standing out of the club, and the door opens, and the guy just mm-hmm. goes, "No," closes the door, 
opens a couple minutes later, there's somebody else there. He's like, see, I told you. <laughs> and then that's right, when right. the fight starts. And then you get the opposite when it's Bruce Wayne and you have the same moment, basically, of just, hold on a minute. Closes the door, comes back with the same guy. See what I'm saying? It's him. Oh, yeah, Mr. Wayne, come on in. <laughs> I love the callback that when we're looking at everything through um, Catwoman's eyes, uh, you know, Batman is, is on the other end, on the end and she goes, oh, I think I broke that guy's nose. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize uh, that guy. He's the right, guy that right. I fought before. Let me tell you something, man. I turned my critic brain on when I walked out of this film. I loved it as a fan. Mm-hmm. When I walked out of this film, I turned my critic brain on. I, I could not tear this apart, man. This is a perfect movie to me. Yeah, it, I, I got to... It's hard to find flaws in this movie, and the fact that, you know, you you can even nitpick little bits and pieces of this movie, you know, you could Mm -hmm. do that for any movie. There's no major flaws in this one. Absolutely not. I gotta get us to old five, man. Five out of five. I found no problems with this movie. I, I gotta agree. This is, you know, critic brain here. This is five out of five. Uh, fan brain, I wanted more from Catwoman. Um, I kind of mm. wanted a little bit more from Riddler. So, like, if I was to go like looking for a perfect like Batman movie, I think this one's a four point five. But critically, like going in just watching a movie and everything like that, this is a five point oh, guaranteed. This is what you want from a movie going experience. Dude. This is exactly what you want from a movie. Do I think it's a perfect Batman movie though? It's very close. There's very few things I would request changed about it before I'd be like, this is the perfect Batman movie. I think the perfect Batman movie is TDK, but I think this movie is right, right in its behind, man. Yeah, it's it's right behind it. Yeah, I gotta say, like, the Dark Knight is still it number one. Uh it's this one did not dismount in my you know, cause I remember seeing Spider-Man uh, No Way Home and going, was this better than Spider-Man 2? And I literally was thinking on it for a while, just going, ah, oh, I think. Oh, I need time man. to reflect on that. Yeah. I need time to reflect on that. That's not an easy answer for me to give. Right. Like, but this I, one, I, it's still, to me, this one's the easy one. I'm just going, no, Dark Knight is still above this. You know, there's, this right. is good. It's bumped up close to it. But I don't think this one overtakes. Like, even in my head, like, thinking it over. I've heard some people make the argument that, well, Batman's more of a detective in this one, like he really is in the comics. So that's why I would give it the edge over TDK. And I'm like, okay, I'm not mad at that. Mm. You're not right, but I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. I respect your opinion. It's wrong, but I respect your opinion. (laughs) Right, right. Um, Yeah, man, I still put the TDK over. So like if you, Bruce Wayne is a bit more nuanced and we can talk about that too. What do you think Patterson Reigns uh uh on as far as like the best batman oh that's okay i think he's high up there he's high up i'd have to think on that one that's that's a that's a difficult one i'll I'll get the obvious choices out of the way we we're not putting kilmer and clooney at the top but um clooney's at the top of every list it's a different list but it's at the top of every list it's a different list right (laughs) but um Listen, man, it's been a while since I watched the Michael Keaton films. He He's the Batman we knew pre-Bale, of course. Yeah. We grew up with him. Um, but if we, take it, we, if we take into account him, Christian Bale, Affleck, 
and Patterson. I think Affleck is the better aged Bruce as far as Batman goes. If it wasn't for Bill's voice, I would say he's the top top. But I think it's between Keaton and Patterson, man. Keaton, I think, is at the top of the list. The question comes in, does Patterson Patterson beat out Bale? That's that's where it gets going back and forth. Because I still think Bale was better than Affleck, personally. As Batman, sure. But the only thing was the voice. I think the right. voice, the voice kinda... is what really pulls him down. Uh, but yeah, it's it does Patterson sit below Bale or above Bale? That that's where the question comes in my head, in my personal order. I think he's above Bale, man. I think he's above Bale. But I think him and I think he's one. He, he's above Bale, but he's one inch above Affleck. And I think he may be. I don't know if he's below Keaton. I really have to rewatch those films to decide. But yeah, that's a hard one. It is a hard one. I would say, yeah, I can't get past the voice in Dark Knight onward. Like that doesn't take away from how great the Dark Knight is. But his voice, though, man, just because of his voice alone, I can't say he's better than Patterson. Yeah. I mean, that really speaks to his Batman, that the worst thing you can think of for it is I don't like his voice. (laughs) That was a pretty huge jarring thing. When I first it saw was, The Dark yeah. Knight, I yeah, when I first saw The Dark Knight, I didn't care for it. I mean, I didn't care about it, but like in retrospective, I'm like, man, why is the voice so dark? Like, why is the voice so throaty? Like, it doesn't need to be that. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about Bruce Wayne? I think as far as Bruce Wayne goes, I kind of like I kind of put Affleck and, and Bell in the same same top space. Bale was the best Playboy Bruce. I think Ben Affleck was the best aged Bruce. Yeah, I think personally, I think Affleck did a better Bruce than Bale. Uh, it's fair, but I, I got to put Patterson. It, it's hard to judge this one because we didn't really see him as Bruce too often. Uh, the only times we really saw him as Bruce were the funeral scene where he's kind of meeting people, and then the one time he talks to Penguin at the club. Outside well, I mean, we of that, him, we didn't get Bruce. We see him as scenes at his home. You know, we see Alfred kind of talking to him in the hospital, you know, at home, stuff like that. Right. But you, we don't see him like in the public eye as Bruce, you know, because oh, that's the Bruce gotcha, Wayne, gotcha. because the Bruce, Bruce Wayne is the alter ego. So it, seeing him like with uh, Alfred and stuff like in the Batcave or I guess wherever that what the basement of his mansion because they didn't really mm-hmm. say it was a bat cave. Uh, he's right. more Batman in that because he's being more of the detective. He's being more like going through the video and going through like the clues on the card and everything like that. That's not really the Bruce Wayne. That's not the playboy, you know, kind of billionaire that's interacting with people, that's putting money toward things, that's putting a public eye. That that's Bruce Wayne. The public perception is what Bruce Wayne is. And we only really get those two scenes with him as Bruce Wayne. Okay. You I know, got you. Because you don't look at, you know, Superman when he's on the farm as Clark Kent. He's still Superman. He's Clark Kent when he's in disguise and he's at the office. Right. So I got you. Uh 
listen, I don't think Patterson beats Keaton yet, but I feel like give this man two more films, which I, I think they have two sequels planned. He's 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 over him, man. In my if my mind in my mind, he's over him. Yeah, it we'll see. You know, I can definitely see him taking that spot. I'm not going to mm-hmm. put it out of the possibilities because he did fantastic in this one. It just he if he can pull this off for another movie or another two movies, if they do go two movie route, uh, this yeah, uh, I will say one thing, um, and this is kind of outside the movie. We're done with the movie here that right, right. DC is doing. I I love it and hate it at the same time. Where they're pulling this. Here's the. Uh, Matt Reeves Batman trilogy that's completely mm-hmm. separated from everything mm-hmm. and playing with its own thing like they make a reference to a Joker uh, apparently Matt Reeves um, I can't remember if it was Matt Reeves that said that he was looking to do Anya Taylor Joy for a Harley Quinn for his movies or if a DC representative said it but apparently she's like being eyeballed for Harley Quinn in this universe um but then we still have like Margot Robbie is this, and then and Margot is great, right? Listen, Anya Taylor Joy is a great actress, but Margot Robbie at this point is Harley Quinn, right? And it's yeah. we're getting into this weird territory of like they're side casting characters for this secondary movie universe in DC, and then at the same time everybody's kind of going, well, is, does that mean Ben Affleck's still Batman because he's going to appear in the Flash movie that's coming out later this year? You know, so are, are they doing a no way home with that? Because I heard Keaton's in it, and now I hear Batman's in it. So what's going on? Um, so he's going through different timelines. Flash time paradox. Gotcha. Um, which okay. we'll see if it ends up being a little bit more multiverse. But Flashpoint paradox is basically Flash goes back in time to save his mother, which in turn causes the entire time stream to change and everything. So he gets back to his time and his mom's alive, but everything's different. You know, different things occurred due to him messing with time. Uh, he finds out that Eobard Thawne messed with time as well when he went back and saved his mom. So mm-hmm. that creates like a alternate timeline of sorts, not really a different universe, but a different timeline. So the fact that we have Keaton coming in as Batman kind of says that they're going to play with a little bit of multiverse in it as well. Okay. But we'll see. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, but I'll say this, man. I One can only hope, but if they do this, they are the goats. If they figure out some way to you know get in Todd Phillips' ear and be like, hey, man, I, I know you were thinking about doing something. Let, let, let us take Joaquin for a movie mm-hmm. and pit him against Patterson's Batman. And, you know, you, you can have him back. Dude, they are the goats for that, man. Because I, it's like, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Because the way, you know how I feel about the Joker. I thought it was all right, but I, Joaquin was excellent. The way it ends when you see the Joker make the full transformation into the Joker when he starts dancing on top of the car, I'm like, we need that guy in a sequel to this movie. Right, but they alluded to um, who is the actor? I'm trying to remember his name. He was in Eternals. That's gonna be Barry Keegan. No, but he he was he was face off. I mean, he was Two Face. No, in uh, in the Batman. 
Yeah, the guy that that was speaking to the Riddler from the other jail cell, and they were they were they were cracking up, and he says, um, he, and then uh, the Riddler was like, "A friend," and then they both start laughing. That was Two Face. That wasn't Joker. I thought he was alluding to being Joker. Um, did no they way. ever say that he was? Oh my goodness, that was Joker. But I thought that was Two Face because half of his face looked looked kind of burnt in in the shadow. Oh no, it, he was completely in the shadow because he had the laugh at the end. Wow. So that was my Joker. Wife, my wife was right because at first, because you gotta understand, I had just got done watching Batman Forever, so mm-hmm. I figured like, oh, that's a great callback. You know, Jim Carrey and T- Tommy Lee Jones together. Now we got Barry Keegan and uh, Paul Dano. I thought that was face off. Half of his face looked a little burnt. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was just shadows. They didn't really show his face at all because wow. they didn't want to like say for sure he is, but he's very heavily alluded because in the credits, he's unnamed inmate, I think, or something like that. Un- unseen Arkham prisoner. Yeah, that's what it is. Unseen Arkham prisoner. Oh man, forget that. I want Joaquin. Like, like <laughs> listen, Barry Keegan's a great actor. He he can play dark roles. You don't believe me? Watch Killing of a Sacred Deer. Mm-hmm. But I, I want my Joaquin, man. They they flip flopping too much. Yeah, that that's where it comes in. Where it's now here's this universe's Joker, and then we still have Joaquin's Joker, and then we have the Joker that everybody wants to forget. And you know, what Leto? Yeah, Leto. <laughs> he was okay. I mean, he wasn't going against the the top ones, but he was okay. I, I didn't have a problem with his Joker for the film he was in. He was loud, just like the movie was loud. Uh, yeah, I guess he was the Joker, the perfect Joker for the worst movie that DC could put out. You know, that's <laughs> that's the best we could ask for. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I guess I'll be. I guess I'm interested to see how he plays Joker, but. They, listen, that's a. I'm not saying it's a sacred role, but that's an important role, man. You, you oh, can't well, just throw anybody in there, it, especially because it's the most notorious Batman villain. You know, right. everybody. Because first off, if we're gonna count the animated series and everything like that, uh, sure. Kevin Conroy is the top Batman. That's that's the voice I think of when I think Batman. You mean, everything like you that. mean Mar- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, Mark I, Hamill yeah, yeah. is Joker. Right, 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 right. But I was about to get into the fact that, like, the animated series is what most people think of when they think Batman. And mm-hmm. the Joker was the primary villain in that series. So everybody always thinks of Joker as Batman's primary villain as a result. So you really, when you put Joker into a movie, you really had to give it your all. Like, he is the pinnacle of, like, what people would judge your Batman on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think Barry can deliver. I just it, it's too soon, man. We just it, had Joaquin. Not only that, but we had Joaquin like two years after Leto. Right. Well, no, that again, you said people want to forget about that. So yeah, everybody wants to forget about that. But at the same time, you don't like turn around and recast right away. <laughs> yeah, DC is a little they're a little all over the place with their thing. I really think. It's not going to happen, but I think if someone uh, ends up taking over in charge, they really need to get back with Snyder and be like, hey, man, blank check. Continue on with your vision. Uh, I, 
I don't want I don't it to think... be Snyder, but I do want them to get somebody heading it like Kevin Feige and going, let's build a plan. Let's well, let's figure it out. I'm not saying Snyder should be the head producer. I'm saying they should trust Snyder to make more Justice League films and, you know, become the springboard for more DC films instead of having it all be all over the place with different Batmans, different timelines and all this other stuff that doesn't make any sense. See, it. it this is where one of those moments comes in where it's I realize that Zack Snyder's Justice League is fantastic but I question if we would still think it was fantastic if we didn't have Joss Whedon's, you know, piece of shit Justice League to compare oh, no. it to. I still think it would be a good movie, man. If, if that movie came out and we never got Josh's Justice League, I feel like people would be like, okay, Zach, we know where this was all going now. That 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 crappy Superman movie and that 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 weird Batman versus Superman movie, we get it now. Right, we, well, we understand what you're trying to do. I keep thinking like the other two movies that we had from him is like, you know what? The first two weren't good. Do I just think the third one's good because I saw how it could be worse? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the extended cut of Batman versus Superman is pretty solid. Like when it's given more context, I, I don't think it's like less of a bad movie. I think it's an actual good movie. Okay. I, I, I didn't agree with that, but I, okay. Because <laughs> I remember seeing I'm, the extended I'm, cut and going, okay, they, they just made it longer. <laughs> I'm not a Man of Steel fan. I don't think that's going to change for me, but I don't mind Batman versus Superman. I don't, I listen, I think if it can't, listen, we can't play cuddle with a shooters, but I really believe if that came out instead of Josh's Justice League, people would be like, okay, we, we understand his vision now. See, that's that that's where I question would we? Because at the same time, like I understand where you're coming from and everything like that, but at the same time, the first two were I didn't like it and it had its moments. And then the third one is Man of Steel had moments? No, Batman versus <laughs> Superman had moments. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um no, Man of Steel was it came out in theaters, let's say that. And then we had like Justice League and it's like, okay, you know, I don't know if I would have liked it as much as I like it now without knowing that it could be worse. All I'm going to say is when Batman Superman comes out with the black suit and I think we spoke, I think I spoke about this on the podcast. Yeah. I say when you hear Kevin Costner in one ear, Russell Crowe in the other that's just a great, impactful, emotional moment. When you go deep into the um, cyborg's past, when he's running across the field goal line to, to the touchdown, I thought that was a very emotional, impactful moment. Yeah. Like, I, I think that is like, you get all the slow motion emo Zack Snyder you could ask for, <laughs> and it just, it sells. When when uh when the Flash saves his uh soon to be girlfriend in the slow motion moment from the car crash, this is a great moment. Right. Yeah, I I will say there's a lot to like about his version of the movie and everything like that. But yeah. when people are like, "Oh man, we should just give everything back to Zack Snyder," all I think is, "Hold on, Zack Snyder." <laughs> does not exactly have the perfect track record that you guys are remembering. Yes, he gave us a better movie than that other terrible movie. But at the same time... Hold on, hold on. Let me ask you something. Did you like Army of the Dead? I did like Army of the Dead. 
Okay, case closed. But, but that was case a, closed. Th- no, no, that was a campy zombie movie. That's cheating. I a, love was, campy zombie movies. It was a film written and directed by Zack Snyder. Case closed. <laughs> you liked it. Case closed. So what I'm trying to say, oh, and you you made Wonder Woman kill somebody. Come on, man. <clears throat> yeah, I I I am all for DC giving the keys back to Zack, but at this point in time, I don't see that happening. But if it happens in the future, I'm all for it. I, I guess um, what really determines where they go with it is how they play with the Black Adam movie and how they play with the Flash movie. Yeah, we'll see. We'll that that kind of decides it because Aquaman, we know that Aquaman's going to keep going with what he's doing. Uh, Black Adam depends on how they're going to form the rest of like Shazam and everything, which already made a reference to Superman. And then mm-hmm. we'll see how uh, Flash ends up like recreating the universe with Flashpoint. I know one thing, man. Patty Jake has got one more one more movie to uh, bring us back, uh, uh, you know, um, into the program to, to like like bring us back into her graces. But uh yeah, man, that eighty four. <laughs> yeah, well, and I like the first Wonder Woman movie. I actually liked that movie. I thought it was a solid origin story, but I don't know what happened with that sequel, man. That's when you give a director too much uh, creative control, and they kind of they go off the rails a bit. Where you let too much crazy out of the box before you f- figure out how to close it? She got one more movie, man. One we'll, more we'll movie. See. I, I have faith that she'll turn it around because hopefully hope so. somebody will actually go through the script and go, okay, first off, uh, no to that. Uh, second off, definitely no to that. <laughs> I hope she, I, I, I hope she listens to like, um, cause I know she probably did. Um, any good director listens to notes on like what people liked and didn't like. If the, if the main consensus says, dude, we love that prologue where she was at home on her land. As a, as a little kid in that, um, you know, Amazon Olympics, if everyone loves that one part, maybe expand that one part into a whole movie or yeah. that one little feeling into a whole movie, you know, because you if you're a good director and, you, you know, you just made a dud or whatever, you listen to your fans about what they liked and what they didn't like. Right. Yeah, I think the only franchise that has a hard time like doing that kind of stuff is probably Star Wars, where everybody's yelling about different things at different times constantly. You can't you can't listen to those people though. They they're never happy. Yeah, Star Wars fans are insane. I hate them. You got a big majority that hates the Last Jedi. That uh that love that, that hate the Last Jedi. That you got another big batch that hate um the Rise of Skywalker. And you know you can't you can't listen to those folks. They're all scattering about. Um, yeah. As right, one man. of those people, I fully agree. <laughs> Uh, but all right, man. So double feature versus we got a 2022 Batman uh, winning out. Yes. Uh, all right. That's been it with this one. Uh, folks, like, share and subscribe. If you would, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can uh, follow us on YouTube. Uh, thank you for your support. We will see you on the next one.